Hey, Praise Chapel family, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message you're about to listen to is from Pastor Omar's sermon series, I Am Feeling. This is part two of I Am Feeling Pain. So hope you're encouraged, hope you're blessed. This is a great message. Well, we're so glad you're here with us this morning. It's good to be in the house of God, huh? Hallelujah. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. And uh, we're glad we could be together here, at least with our leadership here this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to having uh, our church here next Sunday. is going to be our main opening. And so we're looking uh, uh, forward to that. And we'll, we'll be giving some instructions and we'll be giving some information of all, how all that is going to look. And so we, uh, we're just glad to be here. And all, all of you are here this morning and to worship the Lord. And, and I'll I tell you what, uh, God is so good, isn't he? He's so good. Uh, I do want to share a couple of things before I get into the message and uh, want to give you some, some thoughts and obviously... Uh, all that is going on around our nation, so many different things that are happening. And of course, we've heard uh, the protest that is going on. And I want to read a few verses of scripture. I want to address that for just a few moments uh, because I want you to realize we're, we're not ignoring that and we're not putting that to the side. It, we, we're all affected by that. In fact, uh, they're going to have a protest apparently here at the substation, not too far from where we're at right now at 12 noon. And so we understand protests. We understand uh, people looking for justice. In fact, the Bible talks about that. And uh, let me read you a few verses of scripture and give you some thoughts behind it. And I want to pray for our nation. And then I want to get into our message this morning. Uh, the, the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, learn to do good. It says, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and bring the widow's cause or, or please uh, the widow's cause. And then there's another scripture in Micah uh, chapter 6 verse 9 or verse 8. It said, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with the Lord. And so all of us this morning are aware of um, the killing that happened there. And uh, I'll tell you what, in uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, and George uh, Floyd, I, I know that all of that had brought a lot of tension. And um, it's, uh, it's an injustice that's happened when, some, uh, when a man um, gets killed in, um, on publicly and uh, by our police. It's, it's a crime when that happens, when someone is killed like that. And whether he's black, white, whatever color he is, it's not right, it's not... Uh, um, it's a crime when that happens. And so I want to pray for our nation. There's an injustice when we think of a human being uh, that is crying out for help and um, nobody's there. They don't allow no one to help him and he dies. And I, I understand the voice of people that are protesting. And I'll tell you what, in my heart, uh, I'm, I'm broken to have seen that. And uh, I immediately begin to pray for our nation. I immediately uh, begin to talk to people when that when I seen that video, and um, it's an injustice when we see that happening. And we know that people around the, our nation are in an uproar and mad and upset, and they have a right to be. They have a right to be upset. They have a right to protest. They have a right uh, to speak their voice and say and be heard. And so uh, I'm not against that. I'm not against people protesting. I'm not against people uh, demanding justice, praying for justice. 
All of those things need to happen. Uh, I will share this with you. And, and, and again, uh, it's, it's not the same thing, but it is related to, I, I grew up in a neighborhood where, uh, in a Latino family or a Latino neighborhood where uh, we were constantly, my brothers and the whole neighborhood was constantly harassed by the sheriff there, Firestone Sheriff. I remember growing up there in that neighborhood, and uh, there was a lot of injustice, and I've seen it myself, and I understand all of that. I understand what it is uh, for a, a degree of it. I shouldn't say I understand it all, but I understand a degree of injustice, even by police, people that you're looking to protect you, and uh, meet beatings and mistreatments. I grew up in all of that, and I've seen that, and closed, of course, that fire station, or that uh, um, the Firestone sheriffs end up closing down. There's a lot of protest over that. And so uh, all of those things, I, I get that and I understand that. What, what I don't agree with is obviously when people turn to violence in order uh, for their voice to be heard. I say, hey, your voice needs to be heard. And if we go back to one of the great examples of someone that protested and changed the world, it was Dr. Martin Luther King. And uh, he changed the world, not through violence, not through burning buildings, uh, but his voice was heard, and a lot of laws were changed, and a lot of things were changed because of it. Obviously, it's not redeemed, it's not all perfect, but he made a difference. And so I believe today that that's what, the way we make a difference, by love, by uh, hearing people hearing our voices, but not by burning buildings, and not by destroying your own community. That's never going to work. And that's, that's something that uh, Dr. King never advocated. And then I look at Jesus, and Jesus came to set the captive free, and yet we never see him doing any of that. The only time he ever uh, turned over tables was inside the church. Wasn't it outside? It was inside the church. He was, he was turning tables inside the church and, and turning, overturning furniture inside the church. And so, uh, so obviously that is a different... Uh, it was a holy anger because they were desecrating the house of God. I get that. But what I'm saying today is I, I understand uh, the outrage and I understand uh, people crying out for justice. But it's not, not to be done violently. Jesus never did that. And, of course, Jesus changed the world by his love and redemption. So I, I, want, I wanted to express that with you. And I know people have different views and, and, and I appreciate different views. Let me just say this. I want to... Again, I'm, I'm going to just share this. I love different views. Some people get upset because people have different views. I have six brothers, and I have a lot of family, and they have different views on, on life. They even have different political views. I have family that are independent. I have family that is libertarian. I have family that is Democrat. I have family that is Republican. And I, I'll tell you what, I enjoy talking to people, hearing their different opinions. And even if I don't agree with them or they don't agree with me, we never get into a fight and start trying to beat each other up because we think I, I enjoy the difference. I enjoy being in a church. Uh, our church has a lot of different people, political views, different views on life. And I enjoy hearing the different views because I don't have all the answers, but I know who does, someone who does. His name is Jesus. And so that's where I point. Uh, as long as we know where our foundation lies, we may have different views on politics. We may have different views on uh, even social justice, on all these different things, but we got to have the same view in our faith in God. And ultimately, he is the answer. And so here's the ironic thing that all of this falls today, which is Pentecostal Sunday. And that's the day when people from different nations and different places came together on the day of Pentecost. And it isn't something that it was that day 
that God chose to pour out his spirit. It was that day from people from different places that came together. In fact, let me just read this scripture here uh, out of the book of Acts chapter 2. Book of Acts chapter 2, let me read this. It says, Peter stood up and, and all the apostles shouted and said, listen carefully. Well, let me, let me go back. Let me back up a little bit here. It said, they were all filled uh, a, 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 with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, verse 5, it says, now at the time there were uh, Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring and the sound, they came running. And they said, they were bewildered and said, how are these? Aren't these Galileans? How is it that we hear them speaking in our own language? There were people from northeast Iran and northwest Iran. Uh, uh, there were those from Mesopotamia and Judea and and Turkey and the coastal areas of the Black Sea and Asia, all of these people from Libya and Cyrene, all these visitors from the Roman Empire, uh, they all came. And what did they hear? They heard in their own language them praising God and giving God. They were totally dumb. They couldn't believe that they could hear God being praised in their own language. And there was a place of unity. That was a place where the Holy Spirit came and unified the different nations and different dialects of different places came together. And I believe that's the answer of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If the Holy Spirit heals, God brings unity. So I want to pray right now for that in our nation, in our cities, uh, here in uh, California and throughout uh, the nation here. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We pray today, God, that your spirit would be poured out into this place today. We pray, Lord God, that you would help our nation, Lord. We, we need you. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God. We need the outpouring today. Lord, the same as it was in the book of Acts chapter 2, we want that same outpouring in our nation. Lord, we come against the racial differences. We come against the racial tension. We come against anger and violence right now. And Lord, we pray, Father, today for justice to come. Father, for your people today and different people of different races today. And Lord, we pray for the unity, God. We pray for love in our hearts today. We pray for the grace of God today to bring healing, God, into hearts and lives of people. And Father, I pray today that people would turn to you today and not turn to violence and not turn to all these other things. But God, you're the answer in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. So we appreciate all, all of you being here this morning. And again, I felt that I needed to share this. Uh, and we appreciate uh, you coming, all, all the leaders that are here and those that are watching online. And I'm going to continue uh, my message on pain because I know today that's what's happening in our nation and in our world. People are feeling pain. And there's a lot of pain that's going on. There's a lot of hurt that is happening. And I'm going to talk about that. And last, uh, last Sunday, I talked about pain. And this is the second part of it. And I'm just going to give a little bit of review here this morning on what I talked about last Sunday. Because I, I believe today that we need to understand that we don't live in a world that is pain-free. Am I right? All of us are going to experience some pain. All of us at some point in your life are going to experience some pain. Uh, when pain is gone is when you get to heaven. The Bible says no more pain, no more sorrow. But as long as you live on this earth, 
you're going to experience some pain. Now, does pain have a purpose? Yes, it does. And I want to show you in the Word of God why it does have purpose. Not that God causes it, but God uses it. How many can say amen? God uses it for our good. And there's a purpose behind our pain. And I want to just say to you, our greatest contribution to the world, our greatest contribution to other people is being able to share our pain with others. Because God will use your pain as a ministry to those that are hurting. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. We impress people with our strength, but we connect with our weaknesses. I can tell you uh, about my resume. I can show off all my achievements, so can you. And that can be impressive to some, but most people say, well, that's good for you, but that doesn't do anything for me. Your achievements, your, all of these uh, things that you've accomplished in life, that's great. But I want you to realize you connect with people when you begin to share your pain with them. And here's the thing. What most people do with their pain is they don't learn from their pain. They don't learn how to profit from their pain. They don't know how to advance from their adversity. They don't know how to learn uh, from their losses. And I believe today we need to gain from our pain. Hallelujah. We've heard the statement, no, no pain, no gain, right? But I believe we gain from our pain. And so I, I want to just share a little bit about that today and give you a little bit of review of what I talked about last week. And then I'll go into the next two points that I believe will help you. Number one, pain will get your attention. How many know that? Pain, pain will get your attention faster than anything around you. In fact, let me read you this verse of scripture, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Hallelujah. It takes a painful situation in your life right now. In fact, I'm going to pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, there are many people here that have gone through some painful situations. There are people right now that are watching online, Lord. They've gone through some painful situations. But, Father, today, could it be, Lord, that you're going to use that painful situation to get their attention to turn to you? So I pray even if people are sitting in this room and those that are online, God, that we would turn to you for answers in Jesus' name. And so this is what I want us to realize today, all of you that are here today. God uses that pain for many different reasons or purposes. God uses that pain many times to give us direction. God uses that pain many times to bring correction where there's something that is wrong. God uses that pain to mature us, or we should say to perfect us, to be more like Jesus. God uses that pain many times to protect us. Sometimes uh, we may have a little pain to uh, keep us from getting a larger pain. If we don't pay attention to that smaller pain, it could become something larger. So you need to pay attention to the little pain that you have before it gets bigger. So sometimes pain is used to protect us and keep us from something else. And sometimes pain is used to get us to inspect something that maybe we have inside that we didn't know that were there. Sometimes we don't really know what's inside of us till we start experiencing pain. Am I right? And so God uses pain to get our attention. And rarely have we seen people change until they experience some pain. 
until they experience some painful moments in their life and all of a sudden that pain turns to fear and all of a sudden they begin to change because their pain exceeds anything else. And here's what I want to say to you. Uh, you know, sometimes a lot of us, Jesus said, we talk about we want to get healthy and we want to start, you know, eating right. And then we start having pain in our chest. We have start pain in, in, in certain areas of our life. We say, man, I need to start exercising. That pain overcame your your lack of lazy or your laziness, right? And that pain overcame, you know, that lack of undiscipline. All of a sudden, that pain kind of got your attention. Or you look at the weighing scale and that pain of watching those numbers got your attention. Am I right? So here's, here's a couple of things. Again, I want to give you a little bit of review. That pain, number one, I believe should draw us to God. It should make us better, not bitter. Am I right? It should cause us to draw closer to God. And we know a lot of people, what happens is, is when they experience pain in their life, it draws them away from God rather than draw them to God. And I believe that pain should draw us closer to God to get us to depend more on him. Even Paul the Apostle said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. He says, I'm glad, he's talking about the people that it went through some pain. He goes, not because it hurt you, but because the pain turned you to God. And the second thing I talked about is that pain causes us today, uh, when we experience that pain, it causes us to draw closer to other people. There are people this morning that we can relate to because we're suffering the th same thing that they're going through. Because whatever they're dealing with, whatever problem they're having in their life, because you, you are experiencing that pain, you can relate to them and you can be able to minister to them because they're going through the same thing that you've gone through and you're able to help them through that pain. You're helping them to get them through it. Can you say amen? And the third thing I believe when we experience pain, it, it helps us to become more like Jesus. Hallelujah. If there's anything that should be our goal as believers is to be more like Jesus. That is the whole purpose of life. When you give your life to the Lord, is we want to be more like Jesus. It helps us to grow in patience. It helps us to grow in maturity and meekness and love. And usually, how do you learn how to love when, when people come against you and hate? How do you know how to have joy when you experience that are chaotic? How do you learn how to experience peace when there's anxiety and God gives you peace in the midst of you? So I believe today that our pain should draw us closer to Jesus and that pain should transform us more and more into Jesus. And it gives us the ability, listen to me, it gives us the ability to have resilience. And Paul the Apostle, one of the things that he had in his life is he was able to develop resilience through his pain. And so many times we look at some painful moments in our life and we look at it in a bad way, but could it be that God's building a resilience in your life and giving you a new perspective? That every time you experience pain or you experience some problems or issues in your life, that you're not uh, looking at it uh, as the way that God's not for you, that things aren't going your way, but you say, you know what, God, God's going to teach me something through this, and I'm going to get through this because God is good and he is faithful. Hallelujah. And here, here's the scripture that I want to give you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul the apostle said this, for this reason, he says, 
I've never become discouraged, even though our physical being is gradually decaying, yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. He said, and these temporary troubles that we're suffering right now will bring us in tremendous external glory, much greater than the trouble, he said, for we fix our attention not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are not seen. Hallelujah. See, it changes our perspective when we go through these things. And so I want you to write this down. Here's a couple of things. When we go through pain, it teaches us to depend on God. Turn to someone and say, depend on God. It te teaches us to depend on God. There is nothing else in life that will keep, teach us to depend on God in, until we're going through some pain in our life. Until all of a sudden, man, we say, man, some things that are, uh, you know, it's like life can, can kick the legs from under you and everything that you depended on, everything that you thought would bring stability, everything, all the habits and, and the system that you had around you that were holding you up, all of a sudden when those things are gone, it teaches you to depend on God. How many realize that during this time, during this pandemic, Man, everything that we depended on, everything that we got used to, uh, all of our social uh, uh, connections and everything that we had around us, man, it, it, it took like it was all gone. And it had, to, it had us turning us to depend on God. At that moment, we said, you know what? We need to turn to God. So one plus God equals the majority. Can you say amen? So in every situation, we have to learn when we're going through pain, is we've got to learn to depend on God. The second thing is when, you got, when you're going through pain in life, you've got to learn how to depend on the word of God. Hallelujah. You've got to learn how to depend on the word of God. It's like I'm getting used to preaching again because usually I'm looking at the camera. Now I'm trying to get used to looking at you guys. So give me a little bit of break, okay, guys? Give me, give me. You know, I've been used to watching the camera and looking at the camera all the time. The difference when you're preaching uh, online is they said you got to look at the camera, otherwise people are going to say, you know, you're not, you're, you're talking to us, or are, are you talking to us? Who are you talking to? And so, and so today, uh, you know, as, as we said earlier, we're we're ministering to this uh, to you guys here. Uh, the people are watching us online. I'll be addressing you too, but I'm gonna be addressing you guys right here because you're in the room. But but I'm trying to get used to it again. Okay, guys, so help me out. Give me a break. Give me a shout out or something. I don't know. Let, let me hear you. You can say something, okay? And so I, I've learned this, that when I'm going through pain, I've learned how to depend on the word of God. Man, if there's anything that won't pass away, it's the word of God. If there's anything that you can trust, it's God's word. It should be the foundation of your soul. When I try to fix things on my own, I can't do it. But when I look at the manual, right, God's manual, when I look at God's word, man, that helps restore me. That helps me get through, th through things in life. It helps me get through all the problems in life. If I just learn how to listen to God's word and God's instruction, how many times, uh, how many people, uh, uh, or do you know, even you, that you've experienced with your children, don't touch the stove. You're giving them the instruction. It's hot. And they go, hot? Yeah, it's hot. And they still touch it anyway, right? 
They still got to do it. They still got to learn. Uh, and, you know, after a few times, sometimes it's a few times before they start saying, hot, huh, hot, yeah. I told you that already. Why do we And a lot of us, we keep burning our finger, right? We keep burning ourselves because we won't listen to the word of God. And so I believe pain should get us to listen to God's word because God's word is the answer. And here's the thing that I wanted to talk about today and I want to get into this morning is that God gets our pain and he turns our pain and those things that are bad into something good. And we were singing it this morning. God turns those things that are bad into something good. Those things that are evil into something good. And when I look in God's word, God's word has a promise that all of us are familiar with. God specializes, listen to me, God specializes into bringing something good out of something bad. And, and it's out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to to his purpose. This is a phenomenal verse of scripture here because the Bible is giving us a promise. It doesn't say that God causes everything to work out the way we want it. It doesn't say that God's word or God causes everything to work out the way we planned it because that's not reality. How many can say amen? Everything's not going to work out in life the way you want it to work out. Every promise that, that people make, there, many of them are going to break. This is still uh, earth. It's not heaven. But the Bible says God causes everything to work out, uh, not to have a happy ending. Can you say Amen. Because a lot of those things, we think, man, uh, that, that everything's going to work out, uh, you know, as a happy ending. Uh, I'm going to tell you, that's a movie. That's a fairy tale. Everything is not going to work out uh, with a happy and ever after. Reality teaches us not everyone that we pray for is going to be healed. Not everything that we pray about is going to happen. Not everyone that is married is going to live happily ever after. Not every problem is going to be resolved. But the Bible says we know, not that we wish, not that we imagine, but we have a confidence in God. We know, according to God's word, not that we pump ourselves up psychologically, not that we pump ourselves up and say, yeah, you're going to make it. It says we're confident. We know that God causes. In other words, there is a grand design by a grand designer. Hallelujah. That there is a design that God makes things come together. We don't live by random chance. We don't live by karma. We don't live by, uh, by faith. We don't live by something random happening in life. There is a grand design and there is a grand designer. And God is pulling all the strings together to make it work for the good. Hallelujah. It says, we know that God causes all things. That means everything that's happened in your life. Listen to me. This is important, especially if you're listening online. This is important. Everything that has happened in your life, God causes it to work for the good. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, how? You mean, does that include my mistakes? Yes. And that includes your dumb decision, too. That includes your sin. That includes your failure. That includes your unemployment. That includes today things that have been very painful that have happened in your life. Miscarriages. That includes cancer and sicknesses. That includes hurts and things that have happened. That includes divorce. That includes people that you've lost, loved ones. 
parents, people that are close to you, everything fits. Listen to me. Listen to me very careful before you make this a decision in your mind to shut me off. I'm going to show you why it does work. Everything that's bad that happened, God can make it for the good. Now, how is that possible? How can it all fit in the plan of God? How could God cause all this evil and all this thing to fit into the uh, into his plan of, into the plan of God? The good, the bad, and the very ugly. Am I right? God's able to do that because God is in control. It says that He works all things together for the good. Now it doesn't say all things are good. Am I right? It says that He works all things together. For the good. In other words, everything isn't good. And it doesn't say that God causes these things. It says that he causes them to work. But he doesn't cause rape. He doesn't cause war. He doesn't cause disease. He doesn't cause famine. He doesn't cause sicknesses. But the Bible says he causes these things, amen, to work for his cause. He causes them to work together for the good of those that love God. All, everything for those that love God. Now, here's the key. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just for those that love God. God doesn't cause everything to work together for the good for everybody. It's for those that love God. Those that serve God. Those that have committed their heart to the Lord. Those that have put their lives in the hand of God. God causes all those things to work together for the good. But if you're not saved and you're not walking with God, those things are working for the bad of your life. Because you've chosen to do things on your own. See, people that shut out God, people that say, I don't want God. Well, then you become God, you trust in yourself, and man, work it out the way you want. God's not involved in that. Things aren't going to work out for the good for you. But the Bible says they work together for the good of those that love God. That's the qualifier. You've got to love God. You've got to accept his forgiveness and his grace. And the Bible says he works them all. He causes them all to come together. Are you listening to me? Not, not, not many times we look at one separate incident. Well, if you look at it separately, it may not come, you know, it, it's hard to swallow. When you look at it separately, it's hard to accept. But the Bible says he gets them all together to work for his good. We have to understand there's the greater picture involved. And I've used this illustration, and I'll use it again. When you get things individually many times, they don't taste really good. For instance, if you were going to make a cake, and again, I've never made a cake, okay, ladies? So, and, and guys that are out there, if you're a baker, but again, uh, I know that it, it, you know, it takes flour. But if you, if you just got the flour, and you begin to eat the flour, that's powdery. It's probably not dry and dull, right? Am I right? If you get the eggs, and I know some of you are rocky out there, but most of us, if we got eggs, it's not going to taste really good. You know, it's not going to go down really good. If you got sugar, especially raw sugar, it may taste good a little bit, but if you just try to eat all that sugar, it's going to taste nasty. Let's just be honest. But when, and, and if you got the oil and you just started, you know, it's good to pray for people, but if you started drinking the oil, it doesn't go down good. It's not going to taste good. But if you got all of that stuff and you put it together, guess what? It tastes like a good cake. Am I right? Could it be that God is bringing things together, all the distasteful things, all the things that individually that happened in your life that were hard to swallow, that were hard to accept? Could it be that God is getting all of those elements, those things that have been distasteful, those 
things that have been hurting, uh, those things that have been bitter in your life, and God brings them together, and it turns out a blessing for your good. I said, for your good. That's what the Bible is saying. See, God, listen to me, God is weaving a tapestry, or like a rug, so to speak, and he's getting this rug, and he's got heavy yarn, he's got light yarn, he's, uh, he's, he's, making, he's making a pattern. Are you listening to me? He's got dark colors, light colors, uh, and he's making this, ta- and, and um, uh, if we're not careful, if we're, if we're looking at this tapestry from the bottom side, it just looks like a bunch of yarn that is thrown together because you're looking from the bottom. But God has the top view. And if God will let you in on the top view, you can see that it's a beautiful design. It's a beautiful rug. You're looking at the underside. You're not looking at the top side. And so God is saying to you and I that he can get the pieces of your life that were good, the pieces of your life that were bad, the pieces of your life that were ugly, and he brings them all together for the good of those that love God. Hallelujah. See, can, can, can good come out of evil? Yes, it can. Was the crucifixion evil? Yes, it was. We know that Jesus Christ was crucified. We know that crucifixion was designed to cause a lot of pain and cause a lot of suffering. We know that the Romans perfected the crucifixion. They got it so that a person would live as long as they could before they died. But during that time, they would suffer the entire time. They could suffer for hours. And they wanted that person to suffer really bad before they died. And so they created this crucifixion. And we know it was evil in design. But we also know as evil as the crucifixion of Jesus was, we know that something good came out of it. Because after a crucifixion, there was the resurrection. And there's forgiveness. And there's grace. And there's redemption today. So I want you to realize today that God can take something that's bad and turn it into good. Hallelujah. I, I, I want you to think about this, the lineage of Jesus. Think about this. This is really, when I was, when I was putting this and reading this, I was, I was reading this part of the genealogy of Jesus. And if you look back in the Old Testament, when you read the Hebrew genealogy, what you're going to find in Jewish culture that most of the time, or basically the family line, is traced through the male. That is Jewish culture. You can read them in the Old Testament. They talk about the male, and, and this person begat that person, and they're using the male. The women are not mentioned in the genealogy, but it is mentioned in one place, and that is in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, in the genealogy of Jesus, There are four women that are mentioned that are part of the Messiah's genealogy. And what's really amazing to me is the four women that are mentioned are not the most perfect women. There's four women that are mentioned. A woman by the name of Tamar. A woman by the name of Rahab. A woman by the name of Ruth. And a woman by the name of Bathsheba. All of these four women are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Tamar, let me just say something about Tamar. She had two husbands. One husband, he was so evil, he was the jerk, he died. The second one was the same way. She had two jerk husbands. Could you imagine that? And so basically during that time, I won't get so deep into it, but basically if one, if one of the, uh, if, if your husband died, then your brother became the next 
husband, and so the next husband, he, he died. And so they were the third brother, and, and, and the father said, I'm not going to give you him. You're like the black widow, man. I'm not going to give you him. And if you know the story, she ends up seducing him, and, and she, she seduces Judah, and we know that he doesn't realize it's her, and, and then he gets her pregnant, so there's, there's all of this stuff in this family line, and yet God, it's like a soap opera, believe it or not, God used Tamar. Man, the, the lineage of Judah, are you with me? And then you got Rahab, she's the, she's the city prostitute. She's the prostitute there in Jericho. She is known as the prostitute. In fact, the spies, the Jewish spies, when they get to the city, they have no problem finding out where the Jewish prostitute lives, believe it or not. And they end up taking refuge in the Jewish prostitute's house, and they hide there, but yet she's the prostitute, and God used her to hide these spies. And then you got Ruth. She was not a Jewish lady. She was a Moabite. She had no rights to uh, the Jewish lineage. She had no right to even marry a Jewish man. In fact, it was against the law for a Moabite woman to marry a Jewish man. But because she was the daughter-in-law of Naomi... And because we know that Boaz was the Jewish man that was able to redeem her. He was the kinsman redeemer. He redeemed her and was able to marry Ruth. Are you hearing me today? Because God can use and do supernatural things. And then the last one is Bathsheba. We know that Bathsheba ended up committing adultery with King David. And they had King Solomon or they had Solomon as the result. So all four of these ladies don't have a great resume all four of these ladies if you looked at their lives you would say how in the world they don't have the most prestigious reputation but they were the ones that God uses can I tell you God can use us even with all the bad God can turn it out for the good can you say amen See, we think we've made these big mistakes in our life, and it counts us out. I'm here to tell you, God will use your mistakes, your failures, your mess up, your bad decision, and he'll turn them for the good. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it into good. God is bigger than your pain. God is bigger than your sin. God is bigger than uh, all of your mistakes and all of your failures. This is why we have to be a little bit more optimistic about our life. Yeah, if you look at your life and all the things, you, can I just tell you this? God knew you were going to mess up anyway. God knew you were going to screw it up anyway, but he had a plan. Hallelujah. And when you gave your life to him, he was going to turn all that bad into something good. When I look at the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, we know the story. This young man, he had the call of God on his life. We know that he's the dreamer. God's going to use this man in a powerful way. And yet we know that his brothers were jealous. His brothers were evil. His brothers hated him. But God was going to turn something bad into something good. Even though he was hated by his brothers, even though they despised him, and then ultimately wanted to kill him. We know the story. The Bible said they were, they were about to kill him and they throw him in the pit. And they're going to kill him. They're going to take care of him. They're going to finish him off. And the Bible said there's these slave traders that are passing through on their way to Egypt. And they sell their own brother to these slave traders uh, that are on their way to Egypt. And they go back and they tell their dad, oh man, Joseph, uh, he got killed by an animal. Look at here, we found his coat. It's full of blood. They lie. 
And the Bible says he ends up in Egypt. We know the story. And he ends up in Potter's first house. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, even though he was in slavery. Even though he had been betrayed by his brother, the Lord was still with Joseph. And the Bible says that he's there, he gets favor. But we know what happens that Potiphar's wife, uh, she's the, she's the uh, you know, I'm not going to say this, but she, she gets the hots for Joseph and, and she's after Joseph. And we know what Joseph said. Joseph said this. Joseph said, you know what? I cannot sin against my master, can't sin against my boss, and I cannot sin against God. And he refuses her, but this woman is scorned, man. You don't want to scorn a woman because she'll get right back at you. And of course, she gets back on at him. She lies. He ends up in prison. And the Bible says while he's in prison, he's there for a number of years. He's forgotten about even after he interprets his dream. But one day we know that Pharaoh had the dream and they remember Joseph. And Joseph interprets that dream. And he becomes a, a mighty man, the right-hand man of Pharaoh. He went from the pit. Are you listening to me? He went from the pit, man, to the prison, from the prison to the palace, and from the palace to the promise. Hallelujah. And the Bible says he's there, and he gets to that place. And I love it because not only does he save the nation of Egypt, but he saves the nation of Israel. And he says this toward the end of his life when he realizes how God has used him and all of these things that happened, all the betrayal, all these people that did him wrong, the slavery, the pit, all of this stuff. He looks back and this is what he says. I love it. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he said, they intended it for harm or evil, but God intended it for good. Hallelujah. He said what the enemy meant for evil, God has turned it for the good. So God will use your pain. God will use your hurt. God will use your uh, uh, betrayal that has come against your life. And man, he'll, but individually, it feels sour. Individually, it's hard to swallow. But God brings it together and he works it for the good. Because what the enemy has meant for evil, God has turned it into good. See, there are people in your life that meant to hurt you. There are people that have met to hurt you. There are people that have hurt you sexually. There are people today that have hurt you physically, emotionally. There are people today that have hurt you verbally. They've done things against you. They've, done, they've said things against you. They, they violated you. People that you trusted, people that you thought should be taking care of you did you wrong. I just heard the other day my wife had me hear uh, uh, Joyce Myers, she said, I want you to hear Joyce Myers' testimony. I've never heard her testimony. She goes, yeah, listen to it. And so it was about five-minute testimony. And if you don't know her testimony, I've never heard it. And I thought, man, this great woman of God, man, she must have had a great upbringing. She must have had all this stuff happening for her, for her to be who she is. And, and I, I just kind of assumed that. I never even realized this. And so she begins to share how she was sexually abused by her dad. And basically, she looks back and she said, I was sexually abused by him several times a week, all the way until I turned 18 and I had to move out of the house. And she talked about how much she hated him, how much she wanted uh, bad things that happened to him, all these different things that, that she felt in her life. And, and she, she realized she had to give it all to God. And God healed her soul. Are you hearing me? And she said this, man, I didn't say this, but she said this. I was shocked when she said it. She said, you know, when I think about all the pain, 
when I think about all that hurt that happened to me, she said, I'm glad it happened to me. I said, what? I was like shocked. I was like, what? She goes, I'm glad it happened. Because she goes, because you know why? Because if that wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't have the perspective that I have today. I wouldn't have the attitude in the life that I have today. All of those things had to happen to me in order for me to become who I am today. And I would never give that up. Isn't that powerful how God can turn something evil into something good? And here's the last thing I want to say to you today, all of us that are here. God uses our pain to be a witness to the world. See, when, you start, when we start talking about evangelism, when we start talking about sharing the gospel, in fact, the Greek word for evangelism means good news. But when we talk about evangelism, the church gets nervous because we're afraid to do it. And people get nervous because they don't want to hear it. Am I, am I right? So here is evangelism because I believe the highest form of witnessing is being able to witness from your pain. Being able to witness from the things that you've gone through. See, God knows exactly what is going to touch the world. God knows exactly what is going to make impact. And I'll tell you, what we think impresses the world really doesn't. It's actually the opposite. We think what impresses the world is our prosperity. We think, man, we can just show the world we're prospering. No, the world's not impressed by your prosperity. They're not impressed by your blessing. I'm not saying anything, those things are evil, those things are great. They're impressed by how you handle your adversity. They're not impressed by all your achievements and successes. But man, I want you to know what brings credibility is not your success, is not your achievement. It, it, what brings your credibility is what you suffered through and your victories over your suffering. That earns you something with the world. See, I can tell you right now, I can tell you my lifetime of achievements and I can share all this stuff and you'll be saying, blah, blah, that's good. But I'll tell you what, this morning, when I begin to share my pain with you, all of you right there, will I'll get your attention. All of a sudden you say, okay, now, now you got my attention. Because pain is authentic. Pain is real. And every single person can relate to pain. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. We all have suffered some pain in life. Are you listening to me? And it doesn't matter who you are and what, where you come from, what kind of upbringing. All of us know what pain is. And when we can share pain and be able to tell them we've overcome the adversity of pain, we can touch people's lives today. We really can. And can God can use your pain to be a witness to the world. Look at what Paul the Apostle said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me. Now, I want you to know a lot of things happened to Paul. I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was beat. He was in hunger. He was beaten with rods. He was in prison. All these different things. He said, all these things that have happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Paul is saying the pain that I've gone through has been a model to message the gospel or a model for the message of the gospel. God wants to use your pain as a model for your message, a platform. You, it could be your life message today that will impact the lives of people. I said that will impact the lives of people. Hallelujah. So God is basically saying your greatest regrets, your greatest hurts, your things that you wish you could forget about, God could use your pain 
to be a witness to the world. Many times we say, we don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say this. I don't want to. I understand the pain and the hurt. But I want you to know God can use that to touch the lives of people to be a witness to the world. Paul the Apostle says this, 2 Corinthians 6, 4. He says, and everything we do, he says, we try to show that we are true servants of God. And everything we do, he said, we patiently endure suffering and hardship and trouble of every kind. Your deepest life message will come out of your deepest pain. Your greatest message will be the message that you've suffered in your pain. Think about this. A lot of us this morning, when we think about Christ, when we think about who Christ is, do you know that Jesus' greatest impact didn't come from the message that he preached? Didn't come from the healing that he did? Didn't come from the sermons that he did? Or the miracles that transpired? The greatest witness of God's love is the suffering and the pain that Jesus went through. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave. He suffered. And that has been the greatest witness to the world today. The suffering and the pain that Jesus went through. I want you to think of the most painful things that you've gone through in life. God wants to use that to be a witness to the world today. So I want to pray. Let's pray right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.